Good morning, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. We live in interesting times, no question about that. Donald Trump scheduled to have his first press conference in forever. This morning at 10 o'clock, we will carry at least a portion of that press conference, in part because of the allegations that came out yesterday involving his personal involvement with uh, Vladimir Putin and allegations that the Russians now have all sorts of information that they can black use to blackmail him. We will uh, we'll be discussing that in just a couple minutes, but we'll also plan to carry the press, press conference at 10 o'clock this morning as well. A lot of other stuff going on. We start the program today like we start the program every day, though. Three big things, stories that I think you need to know about as you go to work, as you sit around the water cooler, as you sit around the coffee closet, as you talk about them as lunch. Three big stories from today. Number three on our list. Yesterday, U.S. Senator Jeff Sessions goes before a Senate committee. Jeff Sessions has been nominated to be the Attorney General of the United States. And his pick, at least in this choice in some circles, has been controversial. Jeff Sessions is from a prominent Alabama family. I knew him back in the day. He was the U.S. attorney from Alabama back when I was in the U.S. attorney's office in the early 1980s. Jeff Sessions was nominated by President Reagan to be a federal judge in 1986, and Jeff Sessions was borked before there, there was officially borking. Borking happened in 1987 when Ronald Reagan nominated uh, Judge Bork, Robert Bork, to the Supreme Court. And then you had all these allegations that were made against him, a lot of which were frivolous, but it ended up in scuttling the Bork nomination. Well, all right, a lot of the Democrats that sort of ended up scuttling the Bork nomination, they cut their teeth on the Jeff Sessions nomination. Like I say, he was the U.S. attorney from Alabama at the time. 1986, he was nominated to be a federal judge, and all sorts of people came out of the woodwork alleging, oh, Oh, this guy is incredibly racist. It's terrible. Look, he um, used a voter fraud prosecution of a couple African-Americans. This is just absolutely awful. And you had a number of Republicans, I think to their eternal shame, who just decided rather than stand up for what's right, they were just they're going to bow to the pressure. This is back when playing the race card was just starting to be used by the left. So anyhow, Sessions ended up getting borked. Um, His nomination to the federal bench was shot down in 1986 because, again, uh, you had some Republicans who just weren't willing to stand up and I think listen to the truth and listen to facts and recognize that, okay, this guy is qualified to be on the federal bench. So the nomination got turned down back in 1986. Jeff Sessions goes on to be elected to the U.S. Senate, and he's been in the U.S. Senate for I mean, decades. I mean, several terms in the U.S. Senate. Now he's nominated at the age of 70 to be the attorney general. So this this is going to be the first lightning rod. So yesterday is the hearing. And, of course, you have a lot of the usual suspects that show up. People from Code Pink show up. Uh, You've got Al Sharpton who walks into the room. You have all these uh, some demonstrators show up in like dressed in KKK outfits, all these things. But this was going to be the the big showdown. We're going to show how, how horrible you know, Jeff Sessions is. And quite candidly, um, Jeff Sessions ate the lunches of the people who were opposing him. Now, you you had questions, and in general, I think the questioning was was pointed, but it's clear that the Democrats did not bring their A-game. But in part, that's because I don't think they had an A-game to bring. There was all this kind of gotcha stuff. There were things like, well, you know, you supported waterboarding. Now, if you were the attorney general, would you, in fact, uh, endorse that? And he says, well— at the time I supported waterboarding, it was not illegal. Now Congress has made it very clear that that is illegal. And so, no, it, it, it's against the law, and I would enforce the law. Oh, humana, humana, humana. Uh, at some point in time, they say Donald Trump has talked about, you know, uh, banning Muslims from coming into this country. Would you support that? He says, no, I— <clears throat> I don't think that we could have a a religious test. I would support, you know, certain degrees of added scrutiny from people who are coming into this country from um, other places that have, you know, high associations with terrorists or things like that. But do I support a a purely religious test? Uh, No, I, I do not. Humana, humana, humana. Then, you know, one of the great gotcha questions, it's, well, you know, if if some woman came forward and alleged that she, alleged that she was, you know, grabbed in an unwanted fashion in one of her private parts, 
That would that be sexual assault? Ha ha ha! And then he says, "Well, yeah. I mean, under the scenario that you lay out, yes that that would be that would be sexual assault." Oh, grumble, grumble, grumble. Bottom line is, Jeff, Jeff Sessions handled the critics masterfully to the point that the New York Times editorial page today is absolutely in hair on fire, head exploding mode. Jeff Sessions, the senator from Alabama who was once considered too racist to be a federal judge and is now president-elect Donald Trump's nominee for attorney general, managed to skate through most of the first day of his confirmation hearing before the Senate Judiciary Committee with smooth talk and a conveniently faulty memory. Um, It just goes on and on. Mr. Sessions said he would be independent and would stand up for stand up to his boss. He said that there were positions that he did not agree with. He said that he would recuse himself from investigations involving Hillary Clinton if there were any. But that is, of course, not enough for the New York Times editorial board. Bottom line is there's going to be another spectacle today because a U.S. senator, Cory Booker, is going to who's African-American, is apparently going to testify in opposition to the Sessions nomination. That's going to get at least some attention in the mainstream media. But the bottom line is, I watched a good portion of this hearing yesterday afternoon after the show. Jeff Sessions acquitted himself well. In my opinion, it was a travesty that he did not get appointed to the federal bench back in 1986. Like I say, that was as much political as it was an attack on his his views on race. But the questions and the attacks on him, not based on anything, anything since 1986. And if you look at a lot of the criticism people have of Sessions, it's all, well, you know, we turned him down for the federal bench in 1986. Well, I think they made a mistake turning him down for the bench in 86. And that's certainly not a justification not to appoint him attorney general 30 years later. And like I say, story Our first big story of the day, if you want to know about how the most controversial, arguably, Donald Trump cabinet appointee handled himself yesterday, he acquitted himself well. Everybody agrees that with that, he is going to be confirmed. I don't think there's going to be any problem. It's 842, coming up in less than three minutes. Big story of the morning, number two. It's 846, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, our second big thing of the morning. I admit, when I saw this story online yesterday, my first reaction was, oh my goodness, or something to that effect. What's going on here? The headline, Packers' Geronimo Allison faces marijuana charge. And of course, Geronimo Allison is the Packers wide receiver who's been playing more and more of a prominent role in the Packers' resurgence. Um, Randall Cobb gets hurt. Allison has a couple of big games. It, it appears, I think probably unlikely, that Jordy Nelson is going to play if, they, if it's true that he's got a couple broken ribs. So, I mean, Allison, you need him if the Packers are going to do well. So I see this headline, Allison faces marijuana charge. And I admit I'm rolling my eyes going, oh, my gosh, you know, this stage of the season, how could you be so stupid? That, 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 is my re- that was my reaction. How could you be so stupid? To, to get yourself caught with pot. And then I, I'm wondering, okay, is this like the Latroy Guyon case from a couple years ago where Guyon gets stopped and he's got like, you know, pounds and pounds of weed and a loaded gun and things like that? All right, well, all right, so then you find out the story. Green Bay Packers wide receiver Geronimo Allison was pulled over for speeding on Interstate 43 near Francis Creek. That's up in, um, in the Manitowoc area. Um, he's pulled over 1.19 p.m. All right. On September 4th. Okay, so this goes back to September 4th. It is now January whatever. All right. According to the criminal complaint, his Dodge rental car was clocked at 81 miles an hour on a stretch of highway with a posted speed limit of 70. So he's going 11 miles over the limit. He gets pulled over. The complaint says the state patrol officer smells marijuana emanating from the car. Allison, who identified himself as a member of the Packers, denied smoking marijuana or having any illegal substances in the vehicle. He said the odor was left over from the night before when he was with some guys that were smoking pot. According to the narrative, uh, the cop searches the vehicle and finds three backwoods cigars on the front passenger seat. Two of them were filled with a green leafy material that tested positive for marijuana. He was placed under arrest for possession of marijuana. Who gets – 
I, seriously, who gets arrested for possess in, in today's day and age? Who gets arrested for possession of uh, essentially two joints? I mean, this this isn't. It, it's not like I'm not trying to minimize it, but it's not like he had pounds and pounds of marijuana. So they arrest him. He's taken to the Manitowoc County Jail. Um, he gets a citation for speeding. Posts a one hundred dollar bond. All right. So this is back in September. In December 15th, almost a month ago, apparently they issue a criminal charge against him for possession of marijuana. December 15th, criminal complaint. And now it is January, uh, again, you know, 11th, 12th. Um, and, and now the story is just coming to fruition. So it's a charge that was issued a month ago. It's conduct that occurred several months ago, and now it is finally becoming public. All right, I want to open up the phone lines, 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. All right, what what do you make of this? Is this a big deal? Is this something that people need to be concerned about? Is this something that you need to have the book thrown at him? Should the Packers be allowing him to continue to play on the field? Or under these particular circumstances, is this kind of much ado about nothing? And why has it taken so long, to the extent that it is a big deal, why has it taken so long for this matter to become public. 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage toll-free talk line. Again, I, I confess, I understand, for example, why Latroy Guyon you know, gets arrested with pounds and pounds of marijuana, clearly distribution quantity amounts of marijuana, firearms, things like that. I, I get that, and I understand why that's a big deal, why a several-month-old story involving a situation, kind of a routine traffic stop, and small quantities of marijuana, why that is as big a deal? Well, your reaction, 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage toll-free talk line. Let's start with Nate in Milwaukee. Nate, you're first. Good morning. Nate. You no, know, I, I, I don't think that what Geronimo did was right. Nope. But you know, you, you also you also made the point that you know who, who gets taken to jail, right? At the actual jail over you know possession of a small amount of marijuana. Yep. And I do think that Geronimo's race might have played a factor in this. I mean, I'm not sure so, if it's the so only. So you're saying if the, the you think if the, you, so you believe if the state patrol had picked up you or me and found a small quantity of marijuana in the car, we would not have been hauled off in handcuffs and we would not have been charged three months later by the district attorney. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know people who have been stopped for possession of marijuana, white people, and they've been, you know, I, let off with way less than that. I, I, Well, I think, you know something, Nate? I think that is a fair question. <laughs> I, I, again, I, I think that's a fair question. I, I mean, I, I guess the other thing I'm amazed at is, all right, if this was such a big deal, he's arrested September 4th. Why does the DA wait three months to bring charges? And, and then why is it only now becoming public? But, I mean, if this was this big deal, you would have thought that you would have had charges. But who gets charged with possession of, of essentially two marijuana cigars anyhow? Thanks to the call. Okay, Nate thinks there's a racial component to it. Let's talk to Josh in Wauwatosa. Josh, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Of course. I uh, would have to agree with a previous caller. I think it's fully based on race. I think marijuana laws have been, in, been uh, there for a number of years, for the last number of decades, since the 70s, uh, simply to put blacks in jail. And uh, I know as a fact that I've I've been caught by the police um, with marijuana in the past and have gotten a slap on the wrist or absolutely nothing. And it's probably happened three times to me through college all the way through my 30s. And every one of my black friends that I've ever has gotten in trouble for anything, even as small as and petty as a joint or having one bowl or having a pipe in their pocket, have gotten arrested. Um, so it's it definitely comes down to your skin color. It comes down to racial profiling and Having a, or wanting a reason to be able to search them. Does the fact That's that he's I, a Green Bay Packer, and he identified himself as a, apparently a Packer, do you think that played into it one way or the other? I think it probably negatively affected them, especially since you're talking about the Manitowoc uh, Police Department, and we all know that they've had some issues in the past with covering things up or with... Allegedly, know, causing, yeah. You know, allegedly. Yeah. But at the same time, they uh, they definitely have some 
something going on in their system in Manitowoc where they they want to make a. a well, I, well, I do seriously. Well, I, this is one of these cases where I will tell you one thing, Josh. I, I agree with you that this is one of the cases where the fact that he was a Packer, I think, clearly worked against him. I, I have trouble believing yeah. that under a normal circumstance, if that was not me, but but you, let's say, that, that you would have that, that for a small quantity of marijuana under these circumstances, and he wasn't charged with impaired you know, driving or anything, he got pulled over for doing 11 miles an hour over the speed limit, I have a difficult time believing the average person would be charged with possession of this small quantity of pot in Manitowoc or anywhere else. Maybe the DA felt the guy's a packer, so I can't, I, I don't want to be accused of, of going soft, so they brought the charges. Yeah, I think. I mean, I just th- this is one where again, the, the, to me, the the facts of the story. And I, I'm look. I, I was a drug prosecutor, right? So I'm I'm not condoning people driving around with small quantities of, of marijuana. I appreciate that's uh, against the law. There's no evidence though that he was impaired driving. And I guess I, I do think it's interesting that they make the decision to bring him in in handcuffs on the spot, and yet they wait. They wait the better part of, of three months to issue charges, and then it takes another month for somebody to suddenly find out that old Geronimo Allison got picked up. Look, here, here's the bottom line of all this from the perspective of Packers fans. The NFL says it's not going to do anything until the matter works its way through the court system. I think that's right. I think the Packers certainly shouldn't do anything till this matter works its way through the court system. Like I say, um, we're, we're talking about a small quantity of marijuana. We're not talking about somebody stopped with a gun and pounds and pounds of pot. This is a different sort of situation. So when you see the headline, he faces marijuana charge. I I will give him a little bit of credit. This goes back to September. It is, for whatever reason, just becoming public now. It's 855, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Our top story of the morning coming up, and I'm going to tell you, it's a doozy. Good morning, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Big story number one. Do the Russians really have information that compromises Donald Trump? Now, let's back into this story. If you were a regular listener, you know that I'm one of those guys that did not drink the the Donald Trump Kool-Aid. I... I understand the argument during the last election that it was a binary choice. I understand why lots of people weren't thrilled with Donald Trump, but they voted for him over Hillary Clinton. And I'm not sorry that he beat Hillary Clinton. I'm, I'm, I'm not. And actually, as I've said before, I think he's made some really good decisions so far. And there, there's nine days. It's, it's Barack Obama of nine days. Obama has got nine days left in his term. And I think some of the things Trump has done um, since he's been elected, I think some of his cabinet's picks are very good. And so I, I am very, very encouraged. And I, I want very much to see the Trump presidency succeed. But at the same time, I did not drink the, the Donald Trump Kool-Aid. And regardless of whether you voted for him or not or support him or not, I think almost everybody would agree that during the course of the campaign, things came out that demonstrated that, well, he's a bully. He's got all sorts of issues. He's thin-skinned. You know, he, he's got all sorts of, well, all sorts of character traits, which you would not necessarily find appealing in someone. But I, I understand the argument. He was a superior choice to Hillary Clinton. That's fine. I, I certainly accept that. So, so I did not drink the Donald Trump Kool-Aid. At the same time, I think that since Trump won, there has been this just out-and-out attempt by source after source, both inside and outside the mainstream media, to try to smear Donald Trump um, any way possible. And uh, this efforts to try to delegitimize the presidency and things like that. And at some point in time, I think you have to say, look, I understand your your person didn't win, but you need to, to come together. So last night, the breaking story, and I'm using this all in quotation marks, are is this, this report— like I say, that suggests that Donald Trump has essentially been a tool of the Russians and been being played by the Russians for the last five years, salacious um, allegations involving sexual activity of Donald Trump in Russia back in 2013, um, claims that Russian has com- Russia has compromising information about him. And this was the stop the presses thing. Now, here is the background on this. And I think it's important to have context. 
back when Donald Trump originally started running for president, some Republicans decided that they wanted to to do what is called opposition research. This is where you hire people to go out and dig up dirt on your political opponents. So you hire people, you pay these operatives, and they go out and they try to find stuff in the background of people that can be used against them. So these, you know, when, when people go out and do the opposition research, they are consciously looking to try to find bad things. So they try to do interviews. They find anybody they can who may say bad things about the the person because that's what they are hired to do. Opposition research people, they hire in this case. They hire this guy who is an ex-spy, like a G. Gordon Liddy type in Britain. So they hire this ex-spy, and they say, okay, we want you to go out, and we want you to dig up dirt on Donald Trump. And the ex-spy apparently has, you know, other spy contacts, and so he goes out to try to dig up dirt on, on Donald Trump. Later on, apparently Democrats also use the same guy to dig up dirt. So he goes around talking to sources that he has in Russia. I, I do not know if money changed hands, but my guess is it probably did. That's just my guess. My guess is this guy probably paid people to talk to him. So he interviews this ex-spy, interviews various people who say all sorts of bad things about Donald Trump, some of which is extremely salacious, other stuff which is, okay, There, you know, Trump associates had all these contacts with Russia, and they put this in this report. This report from the ex-spy political opposition research person has been floating around for the better part of a year. I mean, it, it's, it has been around. Politicians have had it. Anti-Trump people have had it. And people in the media have had this for the last year. And at least so far, nobody has been able to verify anything of significance, especially not the really salacious details. So this has been floating around, like I say, for the better part of a year, this purport done by this paid ex-spy that contains all sorts of stuff. And some of the stuff that is in the report is just is wrong. It, it's false. Um, and again, you understand how that happens. The guy goes out. He talks to some source he has somewhere. The source says, yes, yeah, so-and-so was here in February of 2013, and this happened. And, and he just he puts it in his, his report. It's not verified. He just says, this is what the person said. He puts it in the report. And some of the stuff that is in this report is, is verifiably untrue. The sources that the guy had lied to him. Doesn't mean that everything that's in it is a lie. But this report has been out there for the better part of a year. Nobody has been able to verify anything. So you then say, okay, Jeff, what, what's going on? Why is this this big story today? Well, all right, like I say, the report has been out there. One of these web services, BuzzFeed, gets its hands on the report. And other, by the way, other media outlets have had the report as, as well. And BuzzFeed decides that they are going to put it out there in, their, in its entirety, even though they acknowledge that the information contained therein has not been verified and in some cases is completely false. They put it out there. CNN then picks this up and runs with this. And so, you know, CNN's story is Russians claim to have compromising information about uh, Trump report says. Now, what also happened is this report that had been out there for a long time, the, the intelligence community in the United States, they, they pick it up as well. And it's been out there, but they say, okay, well, since this is out there, since everybody else has it, we're going to take it and, you know, we're going to present it to President Obama and we're going to present at least the summary sheet to Donald Trump. But it, it, this is something that's been out there for a long time. So BuzzFeed puts it out there, CNN runs with it, and then it's just off to the races with these reports. Now, BuzzFeed is taking a lot of heat for putting th- this out there. So here's here's what they say. This is what the editor says. As you have probably seen, this evening we published a secret dossier making explosive and unverified allegations about Donald Trump and Russia. Now that that tells you something about the state of journalism where they say we published 
explosive and what we acknowledge are unverified allegations against Donald Trump and Russia. This is the editor. I wanted to briefly explain to you how we made the decision to publish it. We published the dossier um, so that Americans can make up their own mind about allegations about the president and elect that have circulated at the highest levels of the U.S. government. Our presumption is to be transparent in our journalism and to share what we have with our readers. We have always erred on the side of publishing. In this case, the document was in wide circulation at the highest levels of American government and the media. It seems to lie behind a set of vague allegations from the Senate Majority Leader to the Director of the FBI. As we noted in our story, there is serious reason to doubt the allegations. We have been chasing specific claims in the documents for weeks and will continue to. Now, of course, unsaid is we've been chasing these and we can't prove them. Publishing the document they write was not an easy call or a simple call, and people of goodwill may disagree with our choice, but publishing this dossier reflects how we see the job of reporters in 2017. In other words, we've got all these unfounded allegations. We see our job as let's put it out there in an effort to then let the American people decide, even though the stuff is unverified. All right, that is where we stand right now. I want to open up the phone lines, 414-799-1620, That's the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. All right, what do you make of this report? What do you make of the decision by first BuzzFeed and now the mainstream media to run with this? What about this idea that we can't verify any of this We know some of the stuff isn't true, but we're going to put that out there anyways and let you decide. All right. Is is this is this something that needs to be taken seriously? Does this reflect on Donald Trump's presidency? Does it reflect on the media? How should we react? 414-799-1620-800-877-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. And again, I I didn't drink the Donald Trump Kool-Aid. I certainly don't feel any compulsion to carry water for him. But I have to tell you something. This, in my opinion, is a new low for journalism, and I say that in quotation marks, in this country. We discuss in two minutes. If you're on the line, please hold on. 918, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 920, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Maybe it's just me, but it would seem to me that if you're a responsible news organization, before you publish claims suggesting that the president-elect of the United States has been involved in activities with Russian hookers set up by the Russian government, you'd at least try to verify that or at least be able to verify it as opposed to being unsuccessful in verifying it for a year. But now the idea is here, we're going to publish all this stuff in the interest of transparency, and we're going to let the American public decide. Really? 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Lou in Oconomowoc. Lou, you're first. Good morning. Hi, Jeff. Hi, I was Lou. just telling you, um, I appreciate calling in. Thanks for Enjoy calling. your show. Thank you, sir. And I hope you do well. Uh, I was like I was telling you, uh, screener. screener. Yep. Uh, yeah. I was just, I'm, I'm so disgusted by the news cycle anymore and the things that go on. But as I said to him, I said, you know what? Trump has been, you know, he's floated stories, thousands of guys, you know, celebrating on the roofs, you know, Arabs or right. you know, Muslims. Obama, not a citizen. Uh, Ted Cruz's dad, you know, you know, a right. picture with Oswald. You know, I mean, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. And you know what? It's, it's just, it's gotten down to such a crummy... I, I'm so disgusted by government right now and what's going on. Well, but it's not just government, Lou. It's, it's also, I mean, it, it's it's the media. Now, I understand the difference is, right, you're, you're you're saying, okay, well, Trump was saying these things and, you know, they were just these outrageous stuff that, that wasn't proven. Um, and, and that's one thing. And I think you're right. I mean, I think a lot of that was irresponsible. I always thought, though, we held the media to higher standards, that they, they weren't yep. just going to report every crackpot sort of allegation without at least verifying it. So, yep, and I agree with that. But you know the way? He's my president now. He's he is who I look to for guidance. And it's just like and when he sets that when he sets the bar, 
you know what? Everybody else seems to be following. It's a sad state of affairs in America. Thanks. No, I, 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 I get it. I mean, I, I understand. And you know, so that I mean, I understand the argument that well, okay, this is this is the same sort of stuff when you you know blindly just repeat stuff that's in the headlines of the National Enquirer and say, all right, that's Ted Cruz's father, and was he involved with Oswald? I mean, I understand you leave yourself open to that, but at the same time, I guess I would expect. I would expect better. This is the see the mainstream media wonders why guys like Donald Trump were able to rise. And it's in part because they they shoot themselves in the foot by throwing out journalistic standards and just reporting this type of stuff, throwing this out there as well. And we're all in this kind of like giant wrestling match, you know, wondering, all right, what's going to be the next thing on TMZ? 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. Paul in North Shore. Paul, good morning. You're at 620 WTMJ. Yep, thanks for taking the call. What do you think? You know, I, it's, it's funny because I can remember back maybe 10 years ago, um, we didn't have these, uh, like, liar, liar, pants on fire, or these meters or these metrics to gauge whether a story was true or false. Most of the time it was true because right. they had credible sources. Right. Now, for whatever reason, to, to sell media, to sell stories, to promote themselves, they just throw stuff out there, you know, on the wall or on the paper, on the screen, and then they'll go back and let other people fact check it and Right. Or, or in, in cases like this, and, and even acknowledge, you know, we don't write, even acknowledge we can't prove this. We've been trying for weeks to try to run this stuff down. We can't do it. We haven't succeeded. But we're going to put this out there anyways and let you decide. Well, OK, what, what's to let you and me decide, Paul? You know, it's just some unverified story. Gee, Paul, I heard these reports that 10 and 15 years ago you were hanging around with Russian hookers in Chicago. I can't prove it. But, you know, it must yeah, be true. Well, we'll let people right, decide whether that's in, true. Yeah. And everything's embellished, too, even if, if there was some small truth to it, it's embellished, you know, hanging out with Russian hookers in Chicago. Or was it the maid that came in to clean the toilet? <laughs> right. Now, 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 don't get me wrong, Paul. I, I See, I have, I have no doubt in my mind that Russia was involved in trying to influence the outcome of this year's election. I, I firmly, I firmly believe that. I think that's the general consensus that's emerging, you know, from the intelligence communities. And I think that's something that everybody should be troubled by if you've got another foreign power that's trying to influence our elections. But that's a far cry from, gee, you know, th- there's all this scandal and there's all this stuff that they can use to blackmail him. And here, we're going to put this all out there, even though we can't verify it. Can you imagine if you held on to that that story and really did dig deep and, and, and find the truth, and then right you know, if there is truth to it, right it if there, huge. yeah, it, it, exactly. But that's assuming that there is truth to it. So sure, um, it, yeah, right now, I mean, this idea. Thanks for calling. I just it, it's interesting to me that the state of how how quote unquote journalism has changed over the years. That now it's all right. We we don't have the facts. We can't get the facts, so we're going to report the allegations, and we're going to let that out there. You know, we're going to report all these salacious different types of things, and then we're going to let the people decide. And again, my response is that the people— the people decide what? I mean, it's it, it's how do you decide if people put out, all right, you find find three or four people that don't, imagine three or four people that don't like you. Then imagine that those people are paid to say bad things about you, and there's no truth to them at all. But then imagine that this is going to be reported all over. No, it's, and again, look, I've I got no love lost for Donald Trump. I, I really, I don't. I want to see him succeed. I, I really do. Do I believe Russia was involved in trying to affect this election? I I do. Would I be surprised if there were certain ties over the years between Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin as they were trying to do business in Russia? Yeah. I guess, is some of this stuff possible? Yeah, okay, maybe it's it's possible. But that's now the standard. Like I say, um, my intention is to carry, if it occurs, to carry Donald Trump's press conference at 10 o'clock because his response has been, this is fake news. That this There is nothing to it. It is fake news. But you know he's going to be questioned by it. And if the press conference kicks off at 10 o'clock, we will try to bring that to you. It's 935. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Lorraine from Milwaukee wins our WTMJ Run the Table tailgate prize for today. We'll be giving away more uh, during the course of the day, and I'll be giving away um, additional ones on Thursday and Friday. My understanding about this promotion, too, is when the Packers – notice I said when – when the Packers win on Sunday – 
uh, the promotion continues for the following week as well. So as long as the as long as the Packers run continues, the promotion continues. So um, tune in. Also, um, I now announced this yesterday. The, the number one question I have gotten since the show moved to eight thirty has been podcasts are are you going to podcast the show and the answer is yes we are podcasting the show and the podcasts are available through wtmj.com you go to the jeff wagner you go to the page that says shows go to the wagner show page and you can uh, listen to the podcasts they are also available you can subscribe to them so as soon as they are posted you get notified so yeah i know a number of people have been asking you know can we get the podcasts and the answer is yes you can um also i would advise you kind of stay tuned because We've got some exciting things in the world of podcasting coming up, and and actually this show and these podcasts are going to be kind of a centerpiece of that, but it goes well beyond that. We'll be announcing that in the next few weeks, so that is exciting as well. Also, um, you're going to be hearing throughout the day, we've got some weather moving in, and I don't I'm not encouraging people to be weather weenies. Um, I'm one of the guys that says, you know, it's Wisconsin, it's January, go out and live your life. But of all the different types of weather events that I, I think you really need to pay attention to. Um, among the most significant events is freezing rain because, you know, freezing rain can just – freezing rain is what sometimes brings down power lines. Freezing rain is what makes roads impassable, all those types of things. And so the prediction is it's possible we might be getting some freezing rain later on this afternoon and into the early part of this evening. So uh, keep it tuned here to News Radio 620 WTMJ. We'll you know continue to keep you updated. I'm supposed to um, go to the Marquette game tonight with my brother. It's a six o'clock game, and we're going to go out. And I don't see I don't see my brother anywhere near as much as I as I want to. And so it was great. I mean, it's he works downtown, so I'll come down. We'll have a quick dinner. We'll go to the game. And and actually, I was looking at this forecast. And I give him credit. He leaves out lives out in Pewaukee, and I sent him a note saying. You know, it's supposed to be freezing rain. If you want to, if you want to bag it, because you've got a much longer drive than I do, I certainly understand. And his note was, no, not not right now. He said, I'm 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 up for this. I guess we can watch it. But no, unless you want not to go, I said, no, of course I want to go. So you know, we're going to tough it out. But keep uh, keep an ear to the radio. We'll continue to keep you updated about what's going on. The Packers defense showed up big in the wild card round against the Giants. So why won't that game plan be effective against the Cowboys? Greg Matzik and Jeff Falconio dive in tonight on Packers playbook at 624. All right. Yesterday, the mayor on WTMJ and on other sources, Mayor Barrett, announced with much fanfare that that Bonton, which is the the corporate, that's the corporate umbrella for Boston Store, uh, Bonton would keep operating its corporate offices and keep the Grand Avenue Boston Store in downtown Milwaukee open for another 10 years under a new proposed lease extension um, between the the corporate headquarters and the the corp between the corporate headquarters and the the jobs at the downtown Boston store and it's about 650 people work in the corporate offices and about a hundred work in downtown Boston store um, that's that's clearly a very good thing. The leases right now are scheduled to expire in January of next year, so they're, they're working at this long-term 10-year lease extension. It ultimately has to be approved by the Common Council, but that would be a, a good thing, 750 jobs staying in the downtown Milwaukee area. Perhaps even more importantly, what would be good is the fact that you would continue to have a, a department store, a, a major shopping facility on Wisconsin Avenue in downtown Milwaukee. I am old enough that I remember when Grand Avenue was first built. And the first few years of Grand Avenue, when you had Boston Store as the anchor tenant, and you had Gimbel's as an anchor tenant, and you had all these business and shops, that the first several years of Grand Avenue were absolutely spectacular. You would have people that would come down um, from the suburbs on the weekends to shop. You would have people who would stay after work late to shop. You would have people who would shop on their lunch hour. And for whatever reasons, you know, Grand Avenue just kind of fell apart. And it's it's really never made it back from where it was in its heyday. And I understand some people think it never will. Other people think that, you know, whoever the new owner is might have the, the magic bullet and the idea. I don't know. But there's no question that having a shopping store, a department store like Boston Store, downtown is a plus for the downtown area, particularly 
when department stores are starting to go out of, of fashion. I mean, what what was the report last week where Macy's was closing a number of department stores across the country and where department stores used to be seen as the desirable anchors for suburban shopping malls? Uh, less and less the case. But anyhow, all this is good news. So then you say, all right, Jeff, well, that, that's good news. It's 750 jobs, going to be there for another 10 years. What What's what's the downside? What's the catch? Well, there, there is a, a catch. This, this does not come without a cost. As a condition of the deal, City of Milwaukee taxpayers will agree to provide Bonton up to $1.9 million to stay. Um, one of the things that they want to do is they're going to renovate the, the building And um, the idea is that in order to stay, taxpayers will pay per year $190,000. Now, the condition is Bonton has to agree to keep 750 employees at the Boston Store building. For every year that they keep 750 employees, they get $190,000 under this proposed deal. If the number drops below 750 employees, then that $190,000 figure is reduced proportionately, I, I would guess. So it's up to $1.9 million in order to keep this business here. All right, I want to open up the phone lines. Our numbers are 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's our Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. Here is my question. Is this a good deal for the taxpayers? And is it worth $190,000 a year to keep 750 jobs in downtown Milwaukee? And then I guess the f- other argument is, do we and should we start doing that with other businesses? I mean, if you've got other businesses that employ, I don't know, a hundred people, two hundred people, you know, should they, in they, if they come to the city of Milwaukee and say, "Hey, you know, we're thinking of moving. We'd be delighted to stay, but we want you to pay us money as well." Does the city set the precedent for doing that? And at the same time, then the larger point is, do we care? I mean, if it keeps 750 jobs in downtown Milwaukee and a department store open on Wisconsin Avenue is $190,000 a year, a small price to pay. All right. Is this a catch? Is this a good deal for the taxpayers of Milwaukee? What do you think? 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. Is this any different than... I don't know, state and the federal government giving, I don't know, uh, loans, subsidies, whatever, to places like Carrier to keep them from moving jobs out of the country. Is this a good deal for Milwaukee? 414-799-1620. We discuss in two minutes. If you're on the line, please hold on. 943, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 947, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Okay, the the good news is that the city of Milwaukee is apparently getting ready to cut a deal with Bonton, which is the parent company for Boston Store. Bonton is going to agree to keep its corporate offices in downtown Milwaukee on Wisconsin Avenue. They're going to agree to keep the Boston Store in downtown Milwaukee open, which is the anchor on the north end of Grand Ave, on the east end of Grand Avenue, west end of Grand Avenue, yeah, west. They're going to agree to keep that open. And they're going to agree to sign a a 10-year lease. Their current lease expires in January of next year. The catch is that in exchange for doing that, the city of Milwaukee has agreed to pay $190,000 a year towards, you know, renovations of the building. And they've agreed to do it for a 10-year period, bringing the, you know, total cost to be $1.9 million if this entire thing, you know, works out and goes for 10 years. Uh, in exchange, Bonton slash Boston Store agrees that they will continue to employ at least 750 people, 650 people in their corporate offices, 100 people at the downtown Boston Store. If the number drops below 750, the, the payouts by the city decrease. And so the question is, is this crony capitalism? Is this something that the city should not be doing? My take on this, you have to look at these things on a case-by-case basis. 
And I understand that there's a lot of people out there who don't like the idea of what's the phrase, picking winners and losers and saying, okay, this is a business that's worth a subsidy. But here is the reality. If in downtown Milwaukee, for example, in an effort to get a law firm to move into a a building, there are landlords who will offer all sorts of incentives. They'll say, okay, we're going to renovate the space for you, or we're going to offer you, you know, breaks on the lease. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. You know, in this environment, in order to get tenants and to keep tenants, it is not uncommon to have to offer incentives. And the question to me always becomes not is it wrong to offer incentives, but, you know, is the incentive too great? Is it a ridiculous sort of incentive? In this particular situation, you're free to agree with me or disagree, but the, the truth of the matter is it is important, I believe, if you're going to have any chance at all of revitalizing that whole area around Grand Avenue and keeping that shopping, the, the Boston store, I think it's important that you need you need a place like a Boston store to be there as as some place, for example, that visitors who come into town, you know, can go. Some place that you can shop in downtown. Somebody that comes in and staying in downtown Milwaukee for a convention or whatever, they're not going to be driving out to Bay, Bay Shore. They're not going to be driving out to Mayfair. You know, maybe they're going to need things. They're going to want to go shopping when they've got some downtime. It is important to have a store that's there. Also, let's not poo-poo the idea that we're talking about 750 jobs. If they were paying... A million dollars a year to keep those 750 jobs, I think you'd have a fair argument that maybe, you know, maybe you're overpaying. But in this particular case, it's $190,000 a year. It's going to be put towards, you know, renovating the space. I think it is a reasonable deal. Just like I think the deal that Trump cut with the carrier people was a reasonable sort of deal, I don't you got to offer incentives because there's a lot of different choices. Now, the big question is, given what's going on in retailing, you know, what is ultimately the future of Bonton? What is the future of department stores like Boston Store? Are they going to be viable? Are they going to stay in business? But it does seem to me that the city in this particular deal has very, very little downside risk in that what, what do you have to lose? It's not like they're committing millions and millions of dollars. They're doing it on a per-year basis. They're not putting a bunch of money up front. And if Bonton doesn't live up to its obligations, well, okay, the city is ultimately going to be off the hook moving forward. So this is the type of deal that, to me, it makes sense. To me, it's reasonable. To me, it is important if you want to see downtown Milwaukee grow to have it. And I don't think it's unfair. Having said that, I do think this and the previous deal, this previous lease they had three years ago, does set does set an interesting precedent, and that is for other Milwaukee employers. Maybe not 750 jobs, but let's say the employers that employ 100 people or 200 people. I now think that this does give them some leverage to say, wait a second, you know, we have options. You know, we can potentially move. And if you want us to stay, City Hall, you're going to need to do some things for us like you did with Bonton. And then you do get into picking winners and losers. But that's an argument for another day. I actually think this is a pretty good deal. Also, mark the tape on this one. Coming up in less than three minutes, I think there's another thing that Tom Barrett has gotten absolutely right. I'll tell you about that. Stick around. 952, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. 954, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Listening to that that ad for uh, the appearance of the Barefoot Contessa, my late wife loved, loved Ina Garden. As a matter of fact, the... The other day, she had all these different cookbooks, and I, I gathered up all the Barefoot Contessa cookbooks and took them over and gave them to a, a very dear friend, my, my best friend's wife, Susan. I said, here, you know, this is, here, here, here you go, and why don't you make a couple of the recipes and invite me over for dinner sometime? But, uh, yeah, I know, I know if Sue was alive, she would, she would have been in the front row for that. She just loved Ina Garden. All right. There's, a, there's another story. Actually, Dan Bryce from Journal Sentinel is breaking this, and this is – it just it just it hits on all these these various notes the, for those of you who might if you've moved into Milwaukee in the last I don't know 10 years you, you perhaps heard a lot of people talk about the pension scandal but you don't fully understand what happened when a former county executive and members of the county board cooked up the, this scheme to essentially make county workers rich beyond the dreams of avarice. And and they said, well, we didn't know that it was going to have this effect. Well, what it did is with this thing called this backdrop provision in this, this pension plan, it allows some county employees 
to retire, take enormous lump sum payments, and then continue to draw a pension. So the latest story out there is about a a woman. Her name is uh, Marilyn Booker. She's a paralegal. Um, She just apparently retired in 2016. She spent nearly 25 years as a paralegal in the Milwaukee County DA's office. She's a paralegal. Decent, honorable work, but under her deal, she is going to be able to retire, and she is going to be able to get a payout, a cash payout, $424,000 of a cash payout, $424,000. She walks away from a county job with $424,000 in a cash payout, and and she will collect a pension of $28,000 a year. Can I see a show of hands from folks out there who, all right, you're going to be able to retire from your job after 24 years. Your employer is going to give you $424,000 lump sum cash and then give you $28,000 a year. Jane Matinere originally had her hand up. Now that hand has gone down. Yeah, I mean, and, and this it's not this woman's fault. It, it's this, it is this crazy irresponsible pension scheme and scandal that was passed. And and this isn't, of course, the worst offender. I mean, you, you look at some of the, you know, assistant district attorneys that retired. You know, some of them were getting cash payouts, you know, pushing a million dollars. And again, they're not doing anything criminal. They're not doing anything wrong. It's just the, the county executive at the time, the late Tom Amont, and the county board that signed off on this thing was supposedly, they claimed that they had no idea that they were going to make all these people, including themselves, you know, potentially so very rich. But this, this whole backdrop thing and the whole pension scandal continues to haunt us. So here's what happens. All right, she worked, before she worked 25 years for the county, she also worked for two years for the city. So the county pension folks go to the city and say, hey, you know, we have this deal to kind of split this stuff, so we want you to pick up 10% of the cost of this. In other words, you know, we want you to give us a check for 42000 and then we want you to pick up 10% of the cost of this woman's pension moving forward. To his credit, now mark the tape, I don't say this very often, to his credit, Tom Barrett <laughs> takes one look at this and says, it ain't happening. My view is um, we're going to pick up 0% of any backdrop ever. It takes a lot of chutzpah to ask us to contribute to this. And he used the word chutzpah. I would probably use another word besides chutzpah. But, you know, they're absolutely right. Here, here you have this situation where it's, it's bad enough. If you live in the city, you, of course, also live in Milwaukee County. So if you are a taxpayer in the city of Milwaukee, you are already paying as a county resident for this excess, for this pension scandal, to ask city residents to pay another 10% on top of that would be chutzpah, adding insult to injury, or whatever. All right, it is 9.59. We're awaiting the start of the Donald Trump press conference and news coming up right uh, after this break. 9.59, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ.